thank you for joining the mining edition of the Other Side series. Investec's key objective with these talks is to share insights through conversations with the leaders of the different industries and hopefully expose you to new ideas and challenge your view as far as the sectors or the businesses are concerned. We have decided to focus the mining edition on the platinum group metals, the PGM sector. This is a sector that has grown to contribute the largest share of SA mining revenue for the year ended June 2020, overtaking coal for the first time since 2010 on the back of very strong metal prices. The PGM industry is by far the largest employer within the SA mining sector, surpassing the gold and the coal industry by about 80% respectively. It is also the biggest pair with the largest employee earnings per commodity. This is according to the 2019 facts and figures published by the Minerals Council. It is an important sector and its sustainability is important to South Africa. On that note, I would like to welcome and thank the CEO of Anglo-American Platinum, Natasha Fellew, and the CFO of Impala Platinum Holdings, Merunisha Kerber, who have graciously agreed to share their insights on the sector, particularly relating to its sustainability. In an environment where females represent only 14% of the JC executive director population, Natasha and Merunisha are a glimmer of hope as far as gender transformation is concerned, which is something that I personally celebrate. So Natasha, let me start with you. How does the PGM sector sustain its leading role in the next five years and long term in terms of value creation for all stakeholders? What role should the various stakeholders play to guarantee the sustainability of this very important sector, including government and labor? Nkateko, thank you for, for that question and thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I think firstly, we are very grateful for the fact that currently we're enjoying very good PGM prices. And in addition to that, I firmly believe and I'm quite bullish about the future of our product very much driven by the clean air requirements and also the role that it will play um, in the decarbonisation of our future. In addition to that, I think if I look at the basket that we produce at Anglo-American Platinum, we have a very strong role to play in every aspect of this decarbonisation and driving the global demand for addressing global warming. And for that reason, I think we will continue to have a robust business. So if you consider what we need to sustain this business, I think for starters, we need to consider that what we have is we have the benefit in South Africa of a very good reserve of PGMs. We do have a responsibility towards our shareholders in making sure that we generate returns for the capital they entrust us with, but we'll have to balance the returns and the value creation for the communities in which we operate. I think if we do not, that balance is really important for us to sustain our business, To and true sustainability in my mind is how do we create something after mining. If we do not do that, I think we will see disruptions to our operations. We will see the impact of that on safety because our employees are very much part 
of the communities in which we operate. I think equally so, we do have responsibility from stewardship point of view to make sure that the way we run our operations are really effective, driving costs down and making sure that we um, generate further returns on that basis, I think is essential. I think the other aspect of the industry would be collaboration amongst peers. And we're talking about PGMs today, but I think we need to recognize that we are part of a broader stakeholder group as part of mining. And quite a number of the requirements for us to have the right to mine our ore bodies we would be so much more impactful if we collaborate across our peers. We've seen a very strong support from Minister Mantashi to make sure that we are empowered to continue to, to do our job. We've seen the support in terms of policy certainty, and I think it's really very much up to us to continue to support Minister Mantashi to continue to support us. I think the other aspect that I would like to add to that is a continuation of innovation and technology deployment. For us to extract maximum value out of the ore body we mine whilst managing energy and water requirements is a prerequisite for us to be sustainable in the future, both from a responsible miner point of view and from a cost point of view. So I think those are aspects that's really important for us to continue the sustainability of our business. Marunisha, the PGM sector's rise to the number one position within SA mining was largely supported by buoyant metal prices in the past two years. We have seen balance sheets being repaired and most businesses are generating attractive free cash flows. Does it get any better? How do you foresee capital allocation going forward? particularly considering the lower capex spend during the very recent down cycle. And Kateko, thank you very much for the question. It's it's a it's something that we you know, we're discussing internally because it's uh, you know, certainly I've been in the industry for such a long time. It's a situation that uh, a few years ago I wouldn't have contemplated. Uh, but I think we we all need to understand that we we're in an industry that is notoriously cyclical by nature. Um, and as much as we've emerged from this very prolonged and difficult down cycle, you know, we know that this is, you know, that, that, that it's likely that we would enter into another down cycle in the future. So from a, from a capital allocation perspective, I think in, in when, when times are, are good, this is when we need to reinvest in the business and to strengthen our operations and to strengthen our businesses for the future. Being a mining company, this, this would require investment in our mining and processing infrastructure, investing in our ore reserves, and investing in our people, both the, both the employees that work for us, as well as our, our host communities. I think we, we also need to understand that we need to be uh, responsible as, uh, as an industry. So we need to make sure that our balance sheets are, are strengthened during this period, where we can capitalize on reducing debt and making sure that we have, we have adequate liquidity that would uh, position us to withstand you know, operational and market volatility into, into the future. An important part of, uh, of the capital allocation process is also recognizing the contribution that our shareholders make. In the past, they've actually come to the extent that we've required and provided additional capital uh, for us to see us through the down cycle. So prioritizing uh, shareholder returns is also you know, a, a key priority for us. And then I think lastly, investing into value creative growth, 
has to remain a, a, a priority for us in both good and difficult times. It's very important for us to remain disciplined. I mean, the mining industry has been criticized for capital allocation in, in the past uh, and pursuing growth for, for growth's sake. I think when we pursue value accretive growth, we need to be value focused and make sure that this is sustainable and you know, we can continue to invest in, throughout the cycle and that we are able to take advantage of you know, counter-cyclical investment. I mean, if you look at a lot of the mining projects, what's actually destroyed value for shareholders is stopping and starting. So I think the ability to be able to fund through the cycle is very important to the sustainability of the industry. I agree with you, Marinisha. History says mining industry and being cautious may not be synonymous at all. We typically see investments and acquisitions at the top of the cycle. So what do you think will be a key factor that is likely to restrain or force the industry to be cautious this time around? Coming into a CFO role uh, at Implats, uh, you know, it was very difficult. If you recall, I joined the company uh, a day before they were going to announce a, a massive restructuring. So as much as we've enjoyed the benefit of a strong pricing environment, I think a lot of us have been around in the industry long enough to, to actually bear the scars of the sustained lower pricing environment. I think we much more, uh, so, so if you just ask me what's going to change, I think we're much more prudent about our balance sheet and the, and the flexibility and the strength we need going into the future. I think a lot of the mining companies are aware that, you know, betting your entire balance sheet on a big project that could uh, put the company in a difficult position uh, through the cycle and also will not enable the company to, to address its capital allocation priorities in a balanced way. I think for all of us, returning dividends to our shareholders through the cycle is also you know, very, very important to us. And then you know, looking at our investment criteria, making sure that our investment processes are robust. They take into consideration qualitative and quantitative factors, including our ESG priorities and making sure that, that we do robust scenario planning. I think, you know, we have been optimistic about pricing in the past, thinking that the cycle is going to, to turn. I think looking at projects in a more robust way, making sure that they are able to generate sustainable returns under different pricing environments, I think is, is key to it. Natasha, if I may come to you, for an industry that could be in, in, in transition, when we consider clean mobility and the carbon neutrality trends, what is your thinking about the optimal capital structure going forward? How cautious do you think the industry needs to be? Kateko, I think from a clean air point of view and carbon neutrality point of view, as been mentioned earlier, we play a critical role, independent of what the drivetrain transition would be, but also in the hydrogen economy. I think if we consider that, probably a little bit back to um, Renisha's point on disciplined and balanced capital allocation. I think ensuring that we do have a discipline around capital, like putting the right ounces from a returns point of view on the market, and then continue. I think we need to consider that it's not only the demand side, but certainly from how we produce our product. We cannot have a carbon neutral product in the market, but our own operations aren't carbon neutral. So other than the physical supply side and the number of ounces we put on the market, we need to consider capital allocation to our own processes, considering our own carbon footprint and considering the total cost of doing business. I think if we look historically, we've very often underestimated the cost of doing business 
with a full ESG point in, in mind. So when we then think about what that balanced capital allocation would be, it's not only Marinisha has captured sustainability of our assets, sustainability of our ore body, but it's also the ESG component and making sure that what we put on the market is sustainable. Thank you, thank you, Natasha. I, I am going to be honest with you. The one person I get asked by investors is, with the free cash flows you're showing and the restored balance sheets, are we likely to see the mining companies, the PGM companies, actually go invest into large-scale greenfield projects and shareholders do not see very little coming back to that? And that is why I am asking in terms of capital allocation and the optimal capital structure going forward. Are we likely to see the mining industry or are we likely to see the PGM sector actually invest into large scale greenfield projects from here on? And this is this question is particularly I'm asking this question particularly because there are headwinds in terms of the electrification of the drivetrain and the rise of the battery electric vehicles. So yeah, that is just a follow-up questions on uh, the three questions that I've already asked uh, for either you, Natasha, or, or Merunisha, if you want to add anything else. Kateko, so if, if you don't mind, Natasha, I mean, I think Implats has a perfect example of Waterberg. I mean, Waterberg is an exciting project with a shallow, you know, mechanized, all-body, palladium-rich. Yet at Implats, we made a decision not to pursue the, the opportunity. And when we looked at it, it was really around the fact that given the, you know, the project execution time, it's a, it's a project that required a significant capital investment over a number of years. Potentially, if we pursued the project, we wouldn't be able to continuously maintain a, a return to shareholders. And you know, the, if the cycle turned, it could potentially put the balance sheet at risk. So I think we, you know, when, we, when we looked at that decision, you know, we considered what it meant in terms of our portfolio, what it would do to our balance sheet. We stress tested our balance sheet. And I think another part of that was also just the fact that it had a long lead time to development and potentially was delivering into a market where we didn't have the same confidence we have in the short to, to medium term on, on palladium, I think was also a key, key consideration that we, we took into, you know, when making the decision not to exercise the option. I actually wanted to refer to Marinisha's Waterberg project, and I think that's a very good example where disciplined capital allocation is a case in point. I think it's important, similar to Impala, we've got a very disciplined, balanced policy around capital allocation with a diligence on reviewing our projects and making sure that the long there is a long-term sustainability with a long-term, I would argue, very conservative view on price and that allows us to be very focused. I think Nkateku, I would be very disappointed in us as a mining industry if we didn't learn from the pain of 2008 and the undisciplined and it's not only the platinum industry, certainly the wider mining industry and I think all over you see a far more disciplined approach around capital allocation. So from our view, unless we are certain that we can make a better return with that money in our hands, we will give it back to our shareholders. So this question is for both of you, Marinisha and Natasha, and it relates to the COVID-19 environment, which essentially covered the whole of 2020. It seems the world is closer to commissioning a vaccine. Latest quarterly numbers from your operations show that production is nearly back at normal levels. 
what are the big learning points out of this pandemic? What are the opportunities highlighted by this pandemic that you hope to take into the future? Thank you for that. I think some of the biggest learnings for me were just the agility that we've had as an industry. If you consider that generally mining is actually seen as not agile, we have definitely leveraged from our understanding of managing health, health aspects like HIV and TB. And I think we've put systems and processes in place that let not only the industry, the wider industry, but certain also set an example for South Africa as a whole. I think the, what, what I really appreciated and what we should be taking forward is just the collaborative spirit amongst or within the industry. I found it quite encouraging that despite the underlying competition, of course, always between PGM producers or in the mining industry, when it comes to health and safety, there's just an absolute sense of the health and safety of our employees and our communities is absolutely a strategic imperative for us and we will work together through that very much supported by the minerals council and again very much supported by minister mantashi every step of the way you know looking back i think the way we we live has been profoundly affected and i think the resilience that we've shown and in the innovation that we've shown in responding to this challenge i think has been you know, to where we've needed to secure the lives and livelihoods of our of our stakeholders. I think, you know, just looking at back at the last year, I think exactly as Natasha has mentioned, engagement and collaboration with all stakeholders, particularly as an industry, with government, uh, with our employees and labor who've been incredibly supportive around this. I think there were lessons learned across the board. As you know, in Platts, we had a you know, we had an incident with the SAPs, which, which did cause, uh, you know, cause <laughs> a, a little bit of a problem for Mark in the business. But just looking back, I think, you know, the way we responded as an industry, I'm incredibly proud of it. As Natasha said, we, you know, we all rallied to make sure that our employees and other stakeholders, our, our host communities, you know, were prioritized. I think just looking back at how innovative our teams were. I mean, if you think about it, you know, at, at Implats, we mobilized we have 50,000 employees that, that work for us. So just in terms of how they enforce social distancing, mobilize the guys, just the logistics of bringing people back after a prolonged stoppage. I think the guys had to be very innovative and creative around managing the social distancing, managing it so that you know, we, can, we could prioritize the, the health and welfare of our employees. I think maybe the last point that I'd raise is just around, well, flexible work arrangements. And that included implementing work, you know, flexible or, or shift arrangements at our operations. And we, in, in certain cases, that actually led to improved productivity as well. Uh, maybe the last point I'd, I'd raise is just the role that technology has played. If you think about it, you know, in terms of facilitating communication, um, as well as the role it played in mobilizing our employees, in educating them, in driving out the awareness around the pandemic and behaviors that, that we need to adhere to. And from simple things like trying to improve the screening process. So I think there have been a, a lot of learnings. And I think a lot of what we've learned as an industry and as a business, I think we'll definitely take forward into the future. I personally was very super impressed, especially when we looked at the productivity numbers. And we hope to see the productivity level being sustained into the future. 
So, uh, Natasha, if I may come to you, I, I want to ask you to comment on asset reliability within implants on the back of the challenges with converter plants in the current financial year. What is the anticipated impact of inventory liquidation on PGM supply and demand balances, especially in 2021 and 2022? Yeah, I think that's a very relevant question considering where we are from our converter point of view. In my experience in my close to 30 years in the industry, when you come to balanced capital allocation, I think um, asset strategy and reliability very often is one of those slow items that you have quite a bit of tolerance in the system until you don't. And we tend to very often neglect that fact that when we are pressed for capital, and I think it's probably important that we all consider that until about two years ago, the industry was under significant pressure. So to take decisions on capital allocation when you're not making any returns is always tricky. And to understand the, the future risk and to build that into that capital allocation is key. We are in the fortunate position, of course, now to have better prices. And from that point of view, it's definitely important for us to address this issue for us across the business. To that extent, we'll continue with our balanced capital allocation and that balanced would not only go back to how we balance between SIB growth projects and giving back to um, our investors, but it will also balance across the value chain. And I think very often that's, that's an aspect that when we think about balance, we don't necessarily think about that balance in that way. I have also made structural changes to support us in making the right decisions in structuring the work that we need to do to plan and schedule for that and making sure that we've got the adequate competency in terms of our resources. We do have, as, as you've mentioned, Koteku, an impact obviously on supply. That supply, however, will be forthcoming in the next two years. We will be releasing the stock that we've built over the next 24 months. and. I think from that point of view, if we just look at the at the market, the market has had a view that we're probably a little bit of a surplus in platinum, and we know that palladium and rhodium was in a deficit. For the short term, I think that will probably change a little bit with platinum, rhodium and palladium showing a bit of a deficit, but our forecast will remain in going forward that we'll still see that deficit in rhodium a risk for uh, or a risk for deficit or a balanced uh, market for palladium and then probably balanced to a small surplus for platinum and we'll see our working process do unwind over the next 24 months marinesha if i may come to you and i want to ask you to comment on one of your key operations being zinplat which I consider to be one of the best PGM assets globally in terms of costs, plus splits and consistency. Can you talk to this asset's future potential or the contribution to the group and risk mitigation to allay fears related to the jurisdiction? So Zimplatz is one of the crown jewels in the Implatz portfolio. You know, the, the challenges that exist in Zimbabwe are well publicized. We read about it almost on a daily basis in, in the news. However, we, we need to look at the operating record of our Zimplatz operations. You know, if you look back, I mean, I think Zimbabwe is a wonderful country to, to, to operate in. Um, its people are amazing and their work ethic is amazing. Uh, and I think it's got a wonderful mining endowment. 
If you look at our history of our Zimplats operations in particular, you'll see that over the last two decades, they've delivered a remarkably consistent and exceptional performance over the years. And despite the considerable challenges that they've faced, both economically and socially, and a large part of this has to do with the management team that we have on the ground and their resilience and their ability to cope with the challenges that, that they've faced over the, over the years. And really that operation has not only benefited us as a shareholder, but has also benefited the country, it's benefited our host communities, it's benefited our employees. So, you know, when you look at some of these challenges, it's really, you know, it's, it's easy to become despondent. But if you look at how consistently our team has outperformed and really the kind of uh, sustainable success that they've achieved, I, I think it's really due to the strength of the team as well as the, the quality of the, you know, the, 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 the support of our employees and other stakeholders in the country. You know, just looking at, at the operation, I think it's definitely comparable to best in sector, as you've said. And it already well positions us as a group for, for future, you know, for future growth and to make a, a bigger contribution to the IMPLATS portfolio. Certainly, it is definitely an important asset to IMPLATS and also the Zimbabwean economy. Natasha, if I may ask you to comment on the future smart mining for IMPLATS and the key initiatives that are priority for the sustainability of your business. Yeah, I think this is definitely a very exciting area of our business. And I think it's exciting for two reasons. The first one is that the it is really targeting technology development and implementation that is dedicated or targeted at our strategic challenges. And a couple of the strategic challenges that it um, will target is carbon neutrality, water and energy um, requirements, and how we become more efficient on extracting value out of our assets. So when we consider carbon neutrality, some of the exciting projects that we're busy with there would be our hydrogen truck that's under development, where we will convert one of our open cast trucks at Mkholakwena with a hydrogen cell and clean hydrogen. We are busy constructing a PV plant to um, generate green hydrogen and then have the truck on the ground, hopefully in the first half of next year. I think the importance of that is a couple of things. The, the one would be it's a strategic project for us from a carbon neutrality point of view. It's also from a market development point of view, important for us to make the necessary contributions to the technology development. If we can have a breakthrough in this technology, we will not only impact because we've got about 80 trucks running across Anglo-American. There's this big scalability, further development of the technology. And then, of course, the learnings from that to be applied across the hydrogen economy development. Very exciting project for us. From an energy and water consumption point of view, I think our bulk all sorting and coarse particle flotation, which targets capital efficiency and also process efficiency through the value chain would be two other projects, ensuring that we reduce our energy consumption, in, um, reduce our water consumption, and then enable dry stacking, which takes away a big risk from a tailings deposition point of view. And lastly, probably just if we think about the digital world linked into the future of work, very excited about the opportunities to really make more and better use of data. We have over many years progressed our operations to, 
to be far more automated. We collect data, but we don't get the full value from that data. Our, we have a program running across the business that is really targeting every discipline, mining, processing, asset strategy and reliability, understanding our all body all the way into marketing, linking the integrated value chain together and really extracting value out of that data in helping. And we've seen the impact of that, helping understand our processes better, our all bodies better to enable a more efficient workplace. I think if we link that to the future of work, probably something that in certain instances is a concern for people, but I, I actually believe that it's a big opportunity for us on how do we open up the world of learning or how do we make knowledge available to people literally in the palm of your hand in the form of a telephone or an iPad and how we then can use that to enable far more of our community members in a totally different world of work. I think that will also support us in our target of generating four job opportunities outside the mind guide for every opportunity inside the mind guide. And I think from a sustainability point of view, and a very important aspect for us to leave behind a sustainable community and not having an entire community depending on mining for livelihoods, but really being a catalyst on um, triggering and the economic development in the communities around the mine. And I th I'm very excited about the opportunities that that holds. I would like to conclude this conversation on a personal note. The reason I chose to interview the two of you is to celebrate the diversity and the transformation journey that the two of you represent and hopefully inspire and challenge a number of board chairmen directors out there to follow the path that your companies and your boards have taken. I want to give you a chance to briefly talk about your journey, your signature, your legacy at the end of your tenure. So I'll start with you, Marinesha, and then Natasha will take over. Thank you very much. You know, I think diversity is basically a key differentiator and, and a strategic imperative. And at Implats, you know, we celebrate that and, and we embrace it. I am very proud to be part of a very diverse executive team. And, and I think this makes us, makes the company stronger for it. But when it comes to my own personal journey, I don't think it's been defined by race or gender. I mean, I think it's really just hard work, perseverance, dedication, integrity. And also when I look back at my career, I think the encouragement and support of a number of key people in my career have, have basically led me to, to where I am today. So, you know, if I look back and what, what is the signature I'd like to leave behind, it's really around excellence, integrity, humility. And also, if I look back at when I leave Implats and what, you know, what, would my, what would I like my legacy to be, is to look back at a company that's much more financially resilient and sustainable and has a much stronger balance sheet that is able to deliver meaningful returns for all of its stakeholders. I think you know, what I would find very rewarding on, on a personal note is basically to be able to empower and grow all the people. You know, I've had the benefit of people uh, help me with my own development and growth. And I'd, I'd love to be able to pay that, pay that forward and, and grow and empower the people that work for me and the teams that work for me so that they also can achieve their, their full potential. Yeah, I think it's incredible um, how stories are similar. I think my journey started with parents who were absolutely supportive 
of a daughter that wanted, and both me and my sister, as a matter of fact, decided to pursue careers that was definitely not generally accepted as being careers that girls would be going into. So our parents has always been exceptionally supportive for us and never put us into a certain paradigm and say, well, this is what girls should be doing or not. The exposure we, um, and well, certainly myself with my father had from a very young age, I had an opportunity to, um, at times that our safety and health um, regulations were very different, um, of walking around on the bank area, getting the smell of explosives. And I think there's just something that got inherent in my, in my DNA from that point of time. And if I think about my entire career, similar to I think what Marinisha has been referring to, is I had incredible opportunities. I had people who were prepared to take a chance on me. And now where I'm now, I can look back and I realized they set me up and I would not have failed. The, they have always set up a structure around me to make sure that I have the opportunity to learn, to learn from my mistakes without making fatal, fatal mistakes. And I think it is a prerequisite for us to continue to put that back into the industry. Um, I think it's an extremely exciting industry to be part of. And I think the legacy that I would like to leave in giving back the, all the support that I've had throughout my career is how do we support the young generation coming through? How do we support them on questions like, how do you live a balanced life? How do you make time for family and relationships? And how do we set up and take chance on individuals while setting them up for, for success? I think the other thing that's important is the legacy that I want to leave is mining, unfortunately, we didn't cover ourselves in glory for many years. And I think we're very often very critical of ourselves because if we look around our country, we need to realize that the infrastructure that we see, the economic development that we've seen for many, many years has been founded in the economic activity developed by mining. The question we need to ask ourselves is what does that look like going forward? How do we learn from the mistakes from the past? And how do we create an environment where people are excited to become part of our mining industry? Because we are responsible, we are stewards of the ore bodies that we've been entrusted with. And we generate a workplace that's exciting for people to come to work to where they feel that the opportunity to come to work on a daily basis and do their best work um, for their own development and for giving back to communities, to shareholders and to the country that we're operating. Yes, um, for all the insights and also the inspiration. I, I am sure a million will be inspired when they actually listen to this. So I think I can speak for the bankers of all that we are encouraged and we are rooting for you. So all the very best in your tank. Thank you. Thank you very much. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendation. Investec Specialist Bank, a division of Investec Bank Limited, is a registered credit provider.